0: All right, we're going to have Claire on in just a few minutes here, but first, some FOIA follies.
1: First, an update on our recent request to the FBI for Ivana Trump's file. The Bureau got back to us and said that, quote unquote, unusual circumstances apply to the processing. This means one of the following three scenarios applies to Ivana's file. One, there is a need to search for and collect records from field offices and or other offices that are separate from the FBI record information dissemination section. Two, there is a need to search for, collect, and examine a voluminous amount of separate and distinct records. Three, there is a need for consultation with another agency or two or more Department of Justice components. Any guesses as what's going on here?
0: Honestly, it could be any one of them.
1: <laughs> yeah, I'm kind of thinking all three. Yeah. So what happens? Basically, that uh, I my interpretation of this letter is just the way of the agents, the bureau saying it's going to take a very long time. It already takes a very long time. Uh, get ready to get these files from us by the time your daughter is in college or something. So let's move on to the new requests. This week, it is a local government special with two new requests. First, another request by request from someone who declined the opportunity for a shout out. New York City Mayor Eric Adams is a total weirdo. He's into crypto. He's a fitness freak. It seems like he never even lived in New York City during and uh, in the run up to the mayor mayoral campaign. But that's not why we're interested in Adams. It's because he's scuzzy as hell and loves cops. Specifically, uh, it's the latter that we are interested in uh, for the, for the purposes of this request. Now, according to a public citizen tweet from two years ago, the New York Police Department would be the 33rd largest army in the world with a budget of $6 billion, but Adams thinks that city police don't have enough money and authority to harass the shit out of poor New Yorkers. One tactic Adams has adopted to advance this agenda, he created a Google spreadsheet that he shares with the NYPD, in order to crack down on homeless encampments in the New York City subway system. That's according to an article that came out last month in the New York Post, which, of course, being a right-wing tabloid, reported the news gleefully and uncritically. New York Magazine reported on this, too, and noted that the crackdown on homeless encampments only seems to produce cruelty. The sweeps, quote, destroy unhoused people's belongings while helping very few of them find lasting shelter— In May, after 710 encampment sweeps, only 39 people moved indoors, according to the city's own numbers. And Gothamist reported that city officials declined to specify whether these moves were to shelter, beds, jails, or hospitals. This anti-homeless pro-cop agenda is sick, so we filed a FOIA, or I should say a FOIL request, FOIL being New York State's version of FOIA. That's law instead of act in the acronym there. We ask the mayor's office for all records related to the Google Doc that Mayor Adams shares with the NYPD. Thanks again to the listener who asked us to file this request. And a reminder, if you want us to request something, if you would like to request a request, just slide into the DMs at the DC Sentinel. The other local request has a national angle and is related to our interview, which we will get to in just a few moments. It's about the mayor here in D.C., Mayor Muriel Bowser, and her reaction to the reactionary governors in Texas and Arizona cynically putting migrants on buses and sending them from the U.S.-Mexico border to Washington, D.C., to Union Station, our main train station, and a bus depot. Governors Greg Abbott of Texas and Doug Ducey of Arizona are mad at Biden because the president is only supporting 95 percent of Trump's white nationalist immigration policies. Anyway, people in D.C. have been calling on Mayor Bowser and the Biden administration to do more to support the thousands of migrants who have ended up in D.C., Bowser has responded to the governor's cynical move with cynicism of her own, saying that she can't help the migrants because there are poor people in D.C. that need help, which she is also not giving. Bowser has also tried to deflect criticism by saying she's working with the Biden administration, which, so what, we know they don't give a shit, this is not exactly reassuring. Either way, I filed a FOIA with the mayor's office asking for all records of correspondence with both the White House and DHS about the migrant buses. Of note, on Thursday, some news broke about one thing Bowser has tried to do, involve the Army. She wants the D.C. National Guard uh, to get involved somehow to uh, help the migrants, which If you really wanted to help them, I don't know why military forces are necessary.
0: And I think that is actually a pretty good lead-in to our interview. So joining us now is Claire H.
1: She is a volunteer with the Migrant Mutual Aid Coalition here in D.C. Thanks for joining us, Claire.
2: Thanks for having me.
1: So walk us through how... This mutual aid effort started. Obviously, we had the uh, buses come in from Texas and Arizona from the US-Mexico border. The Biden administration didn't do shit. Mayor Bowser didn't do shit. How did organizers in D.C. step up to the plate?
2: Yeah, so you gave actually a pretty good synthesis of what's been going on. Uh, No one's been doing shit except for volunteers and a bunch of mutual aid and a couple nonprofits. Um, So basically 15 weeks ago in a political stunt, Governor Abbott decided he was gonna start taking migrants out of detention facilities at the border and putting them on a bus and dropping them off at Union Station as a protest against the Biden administration's immigration policies. Um, The policies that were gonna be changing actually changed several weeks in. But Abbott, realizing that he can do this with relatively no consequences, just kept it going. So there have been buses coming six days a week for 15 weeks. At this point, um, he's actually increased substantially the numbers of buses, plus there are now buses coming from detention centers in Arizona as well. So there are actually 20 buses a week carrying approximately 30 migrants per bus. So in the last 15 weeks, we have, we have received over 150 buses and 4,600 people, adults, children, everyone from the border. So these folks are from South and Central America. They're also from the Caribbean and from some parts of Africa as well. Um, and how the mutual aid effort came together was really, it all came together very quickly. And a lot of that was because of the mutual aid networks that had already been established for COVID response and COVID mutual aid. And so mm organizers were able to create a network very quickly and start to put out asks, asks and create a bigger network of volunteers. So now there's a regular 100 or 200 people or so who are just volunteers, or like I said, are with mutual aid or with a couple of nonprofits who are involved, who are the ones who are every day showing up to Union Station when buses come, we get very little uh, notice of their arrival time. So it's often <clears throat> last minute it's often very early in the morning or very late at night. The mutual aid organize, organizers are doing intake on those folks, just getting them in, hearing, you know, getting information from them. Where are they from? Where are they going? About 90% of the people who come on the buses leave for other destinations. They have family or friends or are already planning on going to New York, Miami, or other places in the US. So we, the organizers, help get them tickets. And then if they need help being escorted through security, because at the airport, airport security can be kind of, um, it could be a potentially dangerous situation for a migrant. Um, So helping with getting them through security, getting information from the other folks, the 10 to 15% of them who wanna stay in DC. Um, And then from that point, we move on to what me and my partner have been more involved with, which is the housing portion. And so, Um, the migrants often just need a place to stay overnight until they can get on their bus or train the next day. Um, but often the people who want to stay in DC need housing longer term while they find work, while they can find school for their children, um, and while they can find their own places to live plus get settled. Um, a big part of this process is a fairly new program called ISAP, I-S-A-P, which is the, um, the somewhat new program that ICE is contracting out of paroling migrants. So some of them at the border, the ones who have come through and been bused to DC primarily are parolees who are given a telephone by ICE, um, which they're required to do check-ins with. They're required to do in-home visits and required to go to the ICE and ISAP offices in the area, which are usually pretty far out. So a lot of the volunteers have been providing transportation to things like that as well Um, and so yeah so that's what i'd say is there's this huge group of volunteers that are just really making this happen so that from day one the migrants have been arriving with a warm and kind and humane welcome and then we are the ones finding services for them we are the ones finding medical services for them and getting them into school and helping them find jobs and get settled in D.C. Um, These are all things, like you said, that the Bowser administration and the Biden administration have completely neglected. Even with urging from D.C. city council, it still goes largely uh, uh, ignored by Mayor Bowser until yesterday um, when you may have seen she announced that she had requested National Guard deployment, which Um, is also not the solution for this, which I'm happy to talk about as well.
0: Yeah, and we can uh, get into that in just a second. I just want to, like, this is extremely inhumane, what's happening. Um, These Republican governors obviously don't consider these migrants people. Uh, They're merely props for some sort of political statement they want to make. I'm sure a bus ride from Texas to D.C. is a pretty miserable experience, especially when you don't know what is waiting for you on the other end, what kind of you know, mental state are people in when they get off these buses and look around?
2: Yeah, it's, um, it's really harrowing what these folks go through. Um, first of all, they are all already asylum seekers. And so many of them are fleeing their home countries due to dangerous conditions. Um, the family, the mother and daughter that my partner and I took in for three months actually, um, the mother's partner and her whole family um, were under threat of execution by the President of their country., um, and so when they come to the US and already spent, you know, they they had one of the shorter journeys of the migrants who've been here. So the mother and daughter that stayed with me had eighteen days on a bus coming from Central America all the way up to the Texas border. They slept on the streets. They barely had any food. Um, and then when they arrived at the border, they had to swim the Rio Grande and the mother that was staying with us had to put her daughter on her back and swim across the river, at which point they were immediately apprehended by ice and placed into, um, please don't check my, please check my pronunciation on this, but I believe it's called the uh, DeLera, the um, H-I-E-L-E-R-A, it's the ice box. It's a colloquial name for the detainment at the border, which is in a freezing cold room, um, the family that lived with us stayed in that room for 24 hours, where it was standing room only. It was fully packed with people. They were provided with only water, no food. And when they arrived at our house, uh, the daughter had lice, which we believe she probably um, contracted in that in the detention center. So the conditions in which people are coming here are already inhumane. A lot of these, as you guys know, as your listeners know, are U.S. created, um, are imperialism and capitalism created um, crises in their home countries. So on top of all that, they arrive at the border, which is extremely dangerous to get across. And then are immediately met by militarized and inhumane um, border patrol agents and ICE agents. Um, So then from that point, what happens is they're handed a form that says, hey, you're actually, you can leave detention if you agree agree to be a parolee. All we're going to do is have you sign this form, we'll give you this phone and don't worry about the rest, get on this bus and go. Um, And so what they find when they start looking through the requirements and learning about the requirements is that they are true parolees. So they are documented and they are, um, in the country legally. Uh, however, they're still being monitored as if they are criminals and they, are required to, like I said, check in on these phones, go to in-person check-ins, have home visits and other, they have to send photos of themselves, they'll get alerts to their phone where they have to then send a photo of themselves to prove where they are and their location. Um, So the treatment of them, of course, by ICE and Border Patrol facilities is Completely inhumane. And this ISAP program is extremely invasive. It's even invading the privacy of other Americans who are not a part of this program because they're building a massive surveillance network. Um, And so, on top of that, then they're put on this bus, which actually, you know, I can't speak to this directly, but I've heard from advocates in Texas say it's somewhat of a blessing because. When they're in the detention centers, the odds are that they're just going to get grilled, and then if they don't, if they can't present their claim well enough, they get deported on the spot, um, or they have to spend way more time in those detention centers, which again are basically like inhumane living conditions, very dangerous living conditions. Um, and so, being here, they actually have a chance, which is a positive thing for them, um, and something that I don't think Governor Abbott. Um, thinks about. And if he did, maybe he would reconsider this. But at the same time, he's just making it um, not his problem.
1: Well, Mayor Bowser, as you noted, um, seems to be um, she wants to add to the militarized response that um, that these migrants are already having to deal with um, through the efforts of Governor governors Abbott and Ducey and through the uh, Department of Homeland Security, what possibly is her rationale here and ha- what other things could she be doing?
2: Yeah. Mayor Bowser's line this entire time has been that this is a federal issue, that immigration is a federal issue, which means it's not her problem and not the D.C. taxpayers' problem. Um, And so this whole time, she has been denying that this is a problem at all. In fact, I actually met her um, at my primary polling place. She was outside just to thank, um, you know, the poll volunteers and people who were out there canvassing. Um, So I had the opportunity to speak with her and I asked her if she were to be reelected what her plans were. And she flat out denied that any of this was an issue. She said that um, which is true that an organization called SAMU, S-A-M-U has gotten a massive grant from FEMA and so therefore it's all taken care of. Um, we can come back to SAMU in a bit because they're fairly uh, unable to keep up with any of the work that's happening. They do contribute somewhat but they're the only ones with a budget. And they're doing the least amount of the work out of everyone who's involved. Um, So that in itself is not a solution, but Bowser claims that it is. Um, She also told me that no one was staying in DC. So it's not a problem because everyone on the buses is going somewhere else. Well, first of all, we're paying for the tickets. We, the mutual aid network, um, based out of just donation funds and a couple of, So yeah, just donation funds. And so we're doing the ones finding the tickets, paying for the tickets, escorting people, transporting them to their bus train or um, airplane or whatever, what are they called? Their bus train or airport um, for their ticket. And so we're doing all of that work and Bowser's claiming that it's not even happening at all um, or that that's all that's happening. But what we're also doing again is helping the people who are staying. So when I brought this up to her, her line over and over again was we're working closely with the Biden administration. We're fully aware of the situation. Um, This is a federal issue. And, you know, and literally what she said to me after I told her that taking our guests to the hospital for a medical, um, she needed medical attention. uh, And we got a bill for $10,000. I told her this and said, we need help. We can't we can't do this on our own. Um, she said, well, I'm the mayor of a city with 700,000 people as if none of this were important, as if none of this mattered at all. And as if she's busy helping others, which we know she's not. Um, so yeah, yesterday she announced that she had requested the National Guard be deployed in DC, which is not a solution in any way. First of all, it completely ignores the demands that we've been bringing to her for weeks and months now. Um, She has refused to meet with anyone from our team. She hasn't listened to anyone at all. She hasn't been at Union Station since the press conferences at the very beginning of this three months ago. Um, So not only is she not listening to migrants' actual experiences and organizers' actual requests, but she's proposing a solution that we know doesn't work and actually further harms these migrants and the marginalized communities. And so part of the problem with this National Guard response, even requesting them to be unarmed as she did, it still is a militaristic response and it treats the migrants as militants which is inappropriate, Um, it's inhumane, and it's further traumatizing to people who have already had such difficult experiences in even just getting here and their experiences that led them to come here in the first place. Um, Another problem with that is that the National Guard actually doesn't provide the services that the mutual aid organizers have been providing. They would basically only do input, or, or excuse me, they would basically only do intake where they don't provide transportation, they don't provide housing, they don't provide, they wouldn't be buying people tickets to their other destinations where they want to go. They have no training in social services, so they wouldn't be able to connect people to lawyers or get children enrolled in school or anything like that. So what we're really calling on from Bowser is to support the care that's happening rather than abdicate your responsibility as the mayor of the city and output it to the national guard which is again just her washing her hands of it because in dc the national guard is paid by the federal government because we're not a state and so this is just one more time of her claiming that this is solely a federal responsibility and that she doesn't need to take any part in the solution
1: and my understanding is that, first of all, the city <clears throat> had a $500 million budget surplus um, from last year, so it's it's not like the city's broke. You could argue that maybe they want to squirrel it away for a rainy day, the economy's going to a recession, maybe don't spend it now, okay, fine. There is a partial federal solution, but it requires Mayor Bowser to actually step up and do like 30 minutes of paperwork because FEMA... Uh, has given a grant to this group, SamU, and my understanding is the Washington Post editorial board told wrote a, a piece saying like, Mayor Bowser, you could apply for this money. You could apply for this federal money. You say this is a federal problem. Here is federal money that you could apply for to help uh, with the intake and and still nothing.
2: Yeah, absolutely. It's what we're seeing time and time again from her is that she thinks this isn't her problem and she genuinely doesn't care. Um, We've heard from people in D.C.'s concerns that, you know, why should we put all this money towards helping these people who are just arriving when D.C. already has plenty of unhoused people who need the help? Well, we don't believe that those things are separate. We believe that Mayor Bowser is not helping anyone with any of the res- uh, resources that she has, um, but also that if she were to help these folks, those resources could go to other people as well. So you're correct, she could apply for the FEMA funding, she could release these emergency funds and be paying for things like hotel sheltering, COVID isolation sheltering, transportation, short and long-term housing, all the help, the social work help that people need, um, but she simply refuses to do it, just like she refuses to put the resources into helping unhoused DC residents as well.
0: Well, she should be thanking you all. She should be giving you all the keys to the freaking city because this problem would be so much worse for her if the mutual aid coalitions were not uh, welcoming these people off the buses and helping them uh, get on with their lives. And... Yeah, it's just um, it's maddening for people who are who are listening to this interview and are not the mayor and don't have uh, all the power that she has. um, How can they help uh, in this effort?
2: Yeah, absolutely. Um, We need a ton of help. Um, I want to make it clear that if this if you see this described as a crisis, a humanitarian crisis or an aid crisis, It's not because we don't have people who are helping and who can help. The things that we've been able to do on the ground are absolutely incredible. The work that I've been able to be a part of is truly a joy, it's life-giving, and we're making a real difference in these people's lives. And we are meeting them with care and we are treating them humanely and we are helping them set up their lives here in the United States and in the DMV. Um, And so when we say, That we need help and we say that this is a crisis, what we mean is that we need DC to be supporting us. We need the government of this district that says it's a sanctuary city to put its money where its mouth is and actually staff the support of these migrants coming in, not militarized, but with humane and kind care to them. So if you want to get involved, please do. You can see Sanctuary DMV, which is just one of the many mutual aid organizations that's involved. Um, they have plenty of links where you can donate. There's places around DC where you can donate clothes, supplies, baby formula, etc. If you want to get involved, there's a survey that you can take where you can volunteer to do interpreting services if you speak Spanish or French or Portuguese. Those are particularly helpful. Um, and then Uh, There's also we need short and long term housing. We need places where people can just get respite, come rest, take a shower, eat. Um, We also need folks to do transportation and we need people to do intake, which is meet the buses when they first arrive at Union Station. Um, So again, we are making this happen and we're making great progress, but we need more support. We need anyone who can turn out, please do. Um, It's a really great network of people, but we also just need Mayor Bowser to actually show up and do what the city needs to be doing to help these folks.